0: Hey, it's me, Alex Schmidt, and I have a tip for you if you like audiobooks. Because there's a better way to buy them. There's a better way to hear them. It's called Libro.fm. Because here's how it works. Right now, if you buy audiobooks, you are probably buying them from one massive corporation. What Libro.fm does is partner with more than 1,300 local bookstores in the U.S., Canada, and a few other countries... And then when you pick your favorite store from their list and buy an audiobook on Libro.fm, a piece of that money goes to the bookstore. It goes back to your local community. And I think that's awesome. I think that's also a tiny change to your current shopping behavior. You can just keep getting audiobooks and do it in a way that is positive. I believe that's a worthwhile mission. That's why I partnered up with Libro.fm. And since I'm a partner with them, I can offer you a deal. I can set you up. Here's how it works. If you use code SIFPOD at checkout, S-I-F-P-O-D, you'll get two audiobook credits for the price of one. Two-for-one audiobooks. Credits never expire. Credits can go toward any of more than 150,000 audiobooks in the Libro.fm catalog. You get a deal that code also helps fund this podcast, so I would be very grateful to you if you used it. Again, that's code SIFPOD, S-I-F-P-O-D, at checkout at their website, Libro.fm. And then one more thing to say, the patrons and backers of SIFPod on Patreon do not hear these kinds of promotional messages. They also get many, many other benefits from there, but if you would not like to hear these kinds of messages, head to SIFPod.fun, become someone who makes this entire podcast possible by supporting it. Oh, and hey, speaking of this podcast, here's a new episode. Refrigerators. Known for being cold. Famous for that humming sound. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why refrigerators are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there folks welcome to a whole new podcast episode a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is my name is alex schmidt and i'm not alone my guests today are miles gray and rivers langley i hope you already know mr miles gray as the co-host of the daily zeitgeist with jack o'brien That is a wonderful podcast in many, many ways. Also has really helped uh, add some songs to this one, as you will hear. Miles is also co-host of 420 Day Fiancé with Sophia Alexandra. If you're a fan of that TV show or Behavior or both, highly recommend it. Check it out. And then Rivers Langley is a fantastic stand-up comedian. He's also co-host of the podcast Goods from the Woods. Uh, Also created a variant of it called the Corona Diaries for the last several months. Just such a funny and smart show, uh, and also connects to the South in ways I think are great. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Miles recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino-Wartongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. Acknowledge rivers recorded this on the traditional land of the Muscogee or Creek people, and acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about refrigerators. You will immediately hear about our relationship to them, then you'll hear astonishing history and science... Also, one audio heads up. Uh, like partway through the episode, Rivers' mic had an issue. So he's on his mic most of the way. And then partway through, it's going to switch to the Zoom internet call backup. It sounds totally legible, it sounds totally good, and you will enjoy the episode still. I just try to give people a heads up whenever the audio changes at any point. Because like you might think it's your speakers, and I, I don't want that to happen. So, so it's, it's not you, it's the podcast. And sounds totally good. You're going to have a great time. So please sit back or heave another block of ice into what you call a refrigerator because you live 100 or more years ago. Either way, here is this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Miles Gray and Rivers Langley. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Miles rivers thank you so much for being here and I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it everyone has refrigerators but either you can go first how do you feel about the refrigerator?
1: well you can look at me and see exactly how I feel about it uh, I, i'm I'm a thick boy I'm a curvy man oh. uh, so I, I rely deeply on the fridge I love it uh, <laughs> and uh, I also that's a not to, uh, not
0: to I, interrupt you but Rivers has a very large wooden cabinet behind him. And for a second, I thought you meant see the wooden refrigerator behind me. And I was going to be astounded. (laughs) I was going to be amazed
1: (laughs) that that exists. (laughs) Fancy uh but no I'm, I'm also uh you know very interested in uh history and, and things like that so i'm excited to talk about the history of the fridge because i do often think about how much it would to just have to rely on you know putting your meat in a snow bank or something terrible <laughs> like that i i very much uh, very much appreciate the fridge although i don't really quite know <laughs> the physics behind it. I just know that's it's, it's a it's a box filled with probably deadly chemicals that uh, you know that that keeps my uh, toaster strudels uh, edible. <laughs> uh,
2: I I love refrigerators, and it wasn't until you asked me to do the show to talk about refrigerators that I hadn't really realized how important refrigerators are to me. Um, how much I've seen, I've looked at them as not only as someone who was literally putting out a joint as I started talking you know a lot of my a lot of my favorite things are inside of the refrigerator um but not only that like it's also become a status marker symbol for me too oh. and there are moments in my life that I look at a refrigerator like of being like oh I'm I aspire to have I want to be this level refrigerator
1: oh what would you say is, like, the top? There's the top a stainless steel French door with the... With- I mean,
2: yeah, the Nancy Pelosi yes! $30,000 one, that's a little too much, you <laughs> filled, know, like...
1: Filled with the Jenny ice cream. Filled yeah, with the good I, ice exactly.
2: cream. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, because I, I, I don't want to guillotine my own head off because I have a car or a refrigerator worth more than most people's lives. I, I'll, I'm i simple, you know, like, I never had a refrigerator that had ice maker or water filtration in the door. Right. Anything like mm-hmm. I just straight stacked, you know, run-of-the-mill refrigerators. And I would go to friends' houses who had built-ins, who had sub-zeros. I was like, oh, man, if only my parents had it together a little bit more, that could be us. So the first time I was able to buy my own refrigerator, which was only in the last two years, I got one with the ice maker and everything, and it felt like such an achievement for me that I was like, this is it. I'm here, baby, and I can't go back. (laughs)
1: what i was gonna ask y'all this what is the biggest refrigerator you've ever seen
0: oh like in a
1: house anywhere because i've got i think i want to say i've got everyone beat but maybe maybe y'all are gonna be stunting on me i don't know
2: (laughs) the largest refrigerator does a hockey rink count yeah (laughs)
1: uh i mean i I suppose yeah yeah i guess
2: uh i think the largest i when i used to work on that show hell's kitchen there was a gigantic commercial walk-in Ooh! Uh, that I was like, this is a refrigerator. And I was like, Oh, right. People die by like, not like getting stuck in these things. (laughs) Uh, But it wasn't like the biggest thing, you know, it was like, but it was, it was like the size of a room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Dude. I, I used to have a, a very stupid job where I worked at a grilled cheese sandwich store. And before the grilled cheese sandwich store was open, they set up a replica kitchen inside of a warehouse in the produce district in downtown L.A., just off Alameda. And the warehouse where we had our like mock-up kitchen had a gigantic refrigerator that you could literally drive an 18-wheeler into oh wow wow like it, it took up most of the factory and and we had our entire operation in you know one tiny corner Right. It. So it was so funny. It was like, oh, yeah, go on the walk-in and, uh, and, and get me some cheese. And you walk in the walk-in, and it's like walking into the heart of a cathedral. It's just like right. this massive. <laughs> and then one day we came in, and it was just leaking. And because of its size, it's leaking. It was essentially just a torrent, like a fire hydrant, just pouring water down in one corner. But it was all the way on the other side, so it didn't even affect us. Uh, wow. So that's how big this thing was. Uh, all right.
2: What about you? alex i know you got one to top that one <laughs> well the room i meant
0: no i don't i i've never worked in food service I, don't, I feel like i feel like as a refrigerator gets bigger like eventually it's nefarious you know what i mean like I, I don't mean any home ones are that way but the one you describe rivers i i'm almost imagining it being used to store aliens or something right like once it's big enough it's like what are they up to? <laughs> right what are they trying to accomplish here yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well and, and and Miles was uh you know partaking in uh in a joint a second ago as he said and that reminds me of course cuz I I I've almost exclusively worked in food service uh my whole life in the restaurant when it's time to get high everybody will go into the walk-in fridge or freezer And it is referred to in restaurant parlance as a safety meeting. Safety Uh, (laughs) meeting. So, yeah, they'll be like, "Hey, safety meeting in the fridge." Yeah, and so you go into the fridge and 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 get a get a little high. And
2: so, like on production sets, it would always be the gaffers and electricians (laughs) who had alcohol on them on set. And that's (laughs) also in production on set. Production safety meetings was also the place for whatever whatever team you were on on set to go get higher, drunk by the trucks. Nice. Um, but yeah, the safety meeting is a time honored tradition, I think across many industries.
1: <laughs> There's something about like, I mean, I guess it's more of the freezer than the fridge, but there is something about smoking in the freezer. That just it just feels right, you know. Yeah, right. Especially if it's like a hot summer night, especially like because I'm from the deep south, so like working in Alabama, you're just sweating the minute you get out of the shower, and then you have to go deliver pizzas, and you're just like, ugh. And there is just something about it that's nice, you know. (laughs) It feels right. Feels like justice. It does. (laughs) Yeah, you're on on the clock. the The sweat on your neck is starting to freeze a little bit. Exactly. Right. But then you
2: inhale the cool air and the relief of THC. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I, uh,
2: I love that. And I, I think from here we can get
0: into things about refrigerators. On every episode, our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. And that is in a segment called... Na-na-na-na. Na-na-na-na. Hey, hey, hey. Math time. And the name was submitted by Johnny Davis. We have a new name for this segment every week. Please make them as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SifPod on Twitter or to SifPod at gmail.com. I might put in tambourine later. I don't know. I haven't decided.
2: <laughs> Wait, Johnny Davis? I know that's not Zeitgang Johnny Davis, too. It P- is. Pro- this person contributes a lot of AKAs. I seize you, Johnny. It's probably wow. him, yeah. Uh, Can't <laughs> escape. He's a good, a good wordsmith.
0: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this segment has benefited a lot from the daily zeitgeist uh, please listen to it folks if you don't uh but yeah it's it's uh nice to have the songs keep them coming christy yamaguchi main came through the other day it's very exciting oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good Oh <All> reliable <laughs> <laughs> but and uh it is math time as that song said we have numbers the first number here is more than 99.5 percent. One more time, that's more than 99.5%, almost 100. That's the amount of U.S. households that have a refrigerator, according to census data cited by the Atlantic, which is not super surprising to me. I feel like it's like automatic that homes have them, apartments, anything. Right.
1: Yeah, well, except in Los Angeles, where it is not a law that the apartment has to have a fridge right so when i first moved into my apartment i was like oh home sweet home what? you're like what? where's the fridge <laughs> Like, oh you don't have one <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it didn't have one and fortunately uh my my craigslist roommate uh worked at best buy so he got us a deal on a, on a fairly nice one but uh yeah there's no law in la for stoves or fridges so no he, no they,
2: no, yeah. uh, we try and make it as hard as possible for a working person to survive here. It's, it's one of yeah. the... Oh,
1: you got to... Look, the working... They, they need to know their place is at the bottom. Right. And that they're going to have to use a hot plate and a mini fridge for a little while.
2: Or an old empty u ban can and some Tinder kindling you found.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What, That's... what, you don't got an igloo cooler? Oh, wow. You don't wow. want to buy ice every day? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: actually my, I think my favorite personal fridge story is when I first moved to LA, it was me and my friend from Massachusetts and his dad, like doing home scouting. Uh-huh. And the first place we looked that we ended up moving into, it just didn't have a fridge, because that's a thing in LA. Yeah, And like, we finished touring it, and we were like, thank you, person, thank you. And as soon as we got out there, my friend's dad was like, this is a scam. <laughs> this is someone. This is some kind of grift. Right. We can't you cannot take this place. There's no refrigerator. It's definitely I, illegal. I,
1: I'll I'll agree with him. LA uh LA rental market is a scam. Oh yeah, All yeah, that. sure. Yeah. No
0: lies detected. Linda, <laughs> well, uh, another number here is twenty-three percent. And twenty three percent is it's like the same bank of stats, but it's how many US homes have multiple refrigerators, two or more. Uh, So a little less than a quarter in the US have like the fridge and then bonus fridge. I I don't know if you guys ever had that. I I did not have that growing up, but, but it's a nice thing
1: oh yeah yeah my uh my parents uh you know they got a new fridge and the old one worked it was just noisy and so they put it outside and uh you know they refer to it as the redneck fridge because <laughs> that's that's a thing rednecks do is they have fridges plugged up outside uh <laughs> at least down here in alabama <laughs> and uh so yeah in their old house we had a redneck fridge and it was it's great that's where you keep that's where you keep like beverages that was uh, you know keep the beers and and Copes and stuff like that in there
0: when you when you say outside do you mean in the garage or like outside like no roof over it
1: uh it it was like a overhang like the porch i guess uh it wasn't it wasn't a garage but it was the porch but yeah similar concept i guess the garage fridge you know maybe not maybe not redneck but uh you know that's more of a uh I don't know. That's that's the the uh, the bachelor's degree. The upper fifty. Fridge. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That's the it's <laughs> the associate's degree fridge, not the redneck fridge.
2: Yeah, upper forty eight got those. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I don't.
2: I never had one. So again, so this goes back to the fantasies I've had about refrigeration. You know, my mom is from Japan, and for even like she in the early like early fifties wasn't having that much refrigeration because, you know, because World War II. Um, So not (laughs) it wasn't quite booming like that yet. Um, And so, like, a lot of the things were sort of seen as, like, sort of extraneous, unnecessary items, uh, like an ice maker, things like that. So I remember I had this neighbor down the street who basically showed me what, like, being American is, like, really about. And that was, like, you know – tuna helper it was you know spaghettios i didn't i've never had any of that stuff no soda at my house and then the garage fridge and i remember the first time i was like this refrigerator only has soda yeah and i don't understand this is a is this a store like why <laughs> would you have this many things are you sell like i really thought they were selling them this is like when i was seven or eight.
1: Oh, and
2: yeah. Come to find out, I'm like, well, they just have a huge Catholic family, and yeah, they're drinking about 78 sodas a day between like six kids. So I was like, okay, this oh. all makes sense. But I always longed for like that also, too, to just have like a refrigerator just for the drinks. Still don't have that yet, though. I'm not there yet.
1: <laughs> did you did you grow up with any kids who had the snack drawer? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that a, a similar concept. There, there was a kid in my neighborhood who had the snack drawer, and his parents were like barely ever home, and there were times where I'll just say it. I mean, the statute of limitations has passed. We would just walk in his house and eat Rice Krispie treats out of his snack drawer, and then leave without even saying what up to him. <laughs> yeah, it was, that sounds it was about that right. easy They never noticed. I
0: will be patching him in now, folks. Please welcome Rivers' old friend. Uh, he <laughs> is going to be pretty mad, but it needs to be done. So
2: I got grounded and uh, missed a baseball tryout because of you. <laughs> could have played for the Yankees
0: <laughs> oh no
2: oh, still bad. thinking about that huh?
0: <laughs> and the next number here is 17.5 cubic feet in volume and I know no one knows what a cubic foot is but that's the number for you it's also uh, about half a cubic meter but the point is that is the average size of a U.S. refrigerator and the U.S. leads the world in average refrigerator size the Canadians are closely behind us and then according to Jonathan Rees professor of history at Colorado State University of Pueblo who's written a history of the refrigerator the average european fridge is somewhere between half and 2 thirds the size Whoa. of uh, an american or canadian one we we ju- we just go bigger yeah.
1: <laughs> that's incredible man i it's it's always so funny like uh cuz i in you know pre-pandemic times i don't know my my once in future job in addition to stand-up comedy was doing private tours of la and that is the first thing that you hear from anybody coming from another country is just like y'all have the biggest food yeah i've <laughs> ever seen like and you don't even consider it until you're talking to a guy who's just like yeah our plates are like half your size like <laughs> yeah and i'm just like yeah we call that a tea oh. tea saucer bro you know but yeah it's just that's what we do out here it's funny cuz yeah, yeah, when I
2: uh, going to Japan too, like as a kid, I would spend my time half in the states, half in Japan. The refrigerators were so like tiny, but like wow. you're really good about the space, but it's also like packed in cuz if you again, if you have a big family like in a small fridge, it's like you just got to be good about your spatial reasoning, yeah. keeping it packed properly. But it's also like the place and I was like, this actually makes more sense. Like why don't we have the same why aren't we taking the technology of Japan where it's like there are several like drawers, like refrigeration drawers rather than like, and there are door cabinet style versions. And I'm like, this makes sense because certain things have different needs rather than just like a plastic see-through box. That's like, I don't know, crisper. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> which, which really should be called the ruiner. Yeah. Let's be real. You know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't do what it says it does. It just turns it to ice. Has
2: anyone like successfully used a, like anyone been like, oh, I should have put it. Uh, I didn't put in the crisper. That's what happened.
1: Never, never. Yeah. No, the crisper is just the crisper is just where you put things when you have to put a, a turkey in there. Right. You're just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just put it in the drawer where all the trash goes.
2: Yeah, or like the meat that just oozes blood. I'm like, yeah, put it in that drawer. It's the blood drawer. <laughs> crisper. I don't know.
1: I
0: do, I use the crisper for meat, and never with the intention of making it crisp at all like that's
2: not the name <laughs> that is associated with what i'm doing at all it's just separate well, that's a problem <laughs> that's why your meat's not crispy
1: <laughs> yeah well that's what they that's what they called the the gene editing thing right the crisper c-r-s-p-r which makes me dubious of gene editing i'm like well it doesn't work in the fridge how's it gonna work on my baby no how are you gonna give my baby a runner's legs ah an extra crispy. <laughs> yeah, you made my baby extra crispy.
2: I wanted original recipe baby. Yeah,
1: well, it's extra crispy. It's just the baby is Colonel Sanders.
2: You're like, oh, no.
1: He comes what out happened? of the womb, I do declare.
2: Okay. Um, is, this, this, is this real? Guys?
0: I mean, it would be nice to have a ranked baby. That's all I'd say. You know, they have a rank. That's, that's pretty
2: good. Starting out that's on top. True. Right, but it's one of those old, like, weird, problematic, like, post-war, you um, know, honorary colonel ships, you know? True. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, yeah, baby comes replete with problematic takes on the antebellum south.
1: <laughs> uh, my my favorite thing about uh, Colonel Sanders is when he started getting old, He basically, they just paid him to, like, go away uh, after, <laughs> after KFC was no acquired. Way. They were like, all right, here's a... Here's a bunch of money. Please stay away. And he would just he wasn't employed by the company technically anymore. He was their ambassador. He would just go to random KFCs and he was all, you know, he had dementia and stuff and he would just go to random KFCs and start like yelling at people about like things that were wrong. And oh, they was just no. like and they had to call the company and they're like, "Uh, Colonel Sanders is
2: here again.
1: Can you get him out? And the company right. would have to send somebody like, all right, Colonel, right this way.
2: Oh no. <laughs> he accuses family of tourists of being Tojo spies. <laughs> uh it I'm sorry, we just can't have this here. <laughs> it's getting real it makes everyone uncomfortable. Right. And I think he's making up new racial slurs too while he's here. It's really odd.
1: He forgot all the old ones so he's just yeah. go he's just going off the dome right now and they are <laughs> bad okay mocha man (laughs) like whoa mocha man i
2: don't know what that means but i'm gonna take that as
0: offensive (laughs) next number here is more than 150 and that's the number of types of general electric appliances that now offer a sabbath mode Uh, i should say right away this is more of an orthodox jewish thing it's only like some specific sects of judaism need this but uh, GE introduced it in the year 2000, and this is coming from an article on the 99% Invisible site by Kurt Colstead. He says, quote, activating Sabbath mode on a GE refrigerator disables interior lights, disables display panels, disables alarms, disables beeps, and the ice and the water dispensers. In that mode, opening the refrigerator door triggers no changes, including normal cooling processes to compensate for the temperature loss, end quote. And it's specific to not wanting to use electrical devices on the Sabbath, if that's what you believe. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, that was uh, that was Elvis's first job. He was a local, you know, Christian guy, so he was the local goyim. Sabbath helter. And, yeah, and Sabbath helper. Yeah, and they would have him go around and, you know, push push all the buttons and do the stuff for him on, uh, on Saturday. There was, like, a prominent Jewish family in Memphis, and it's why Elvis, until he died, wore a cross and a Star of David around his neck.
0: That's amazing, because he just had a great experience with them and was like i'm gonna do it
1: he loved that family yeah they treated him like they they were that he was their son but yeah that was he was literally like their button pusher and <laughs> like helper on the on the sabbath yeah
2: <laughs> he's like that boy thinks we like him oh no we're using him for his fingies <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't, I guess invite him for dinner. I mean, if he's got no, I mean, that's sad. I, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the guy, but I don't, let's not give him the wrong idea here either. He's not part of the family.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: it's like, Elvis, can you just go make a movie or something, man? Like we are trying to hang out with ourselves. Like, <laughs> yeah, like
2: just us. <laughs> but I learned Baruch Adatai Adonai, <laughs> <Alohenu> Mel Halom. <laughs> A shared kid of Sean. Like, you're like, whoa, okay. (laughs)
1: Elvis.
2: (laughs) We get it. Relax, buddy. You know, we like
1: it.
0: All right. Off of that, we're going to a short break, followed by the big takeaways. See you in a sec. Back for another game. You know it.
2: Because
0: of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for (laughs) grown-ups. Well, guys, uh, we have three big takeaways about the fridge. Let's get into it. The first one here is takeaway number one. Your refrigerator is actually a heat remover. Wow. And this might be something people know. Like I did not know this before researching it, but the refrigerator technically does not Like, add cold to anything, your refrigerator is a box that removes heat from the box. And then things, you know, become cold that way.
1: Similar to an air
2: conditioning unit.
0: Yeah, that's how air conditioning works, it turns out, too.
2: Wait, okay, explain like I'm 36.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I. I basically said that to my computer earlier. And the, th- the, the thing here is there are a few types of refrigerator technology. Most of them in the modern world use what's called a vapor compression system. And so the super basic version is there are three steps. Uh, and the, the steps I'll use something called a coolant. And the coolant is any chemical that's easy to change between a liquid state and a gas state. Because when you change it between liquid and gas, energy is transferred. And so the first step is you let this liquid expand into a gas, and that requires a lot of energy. So as it expands into a gas, it's taking energy from out of the box. It's making it colder. And then if you've ever seen like those coils on the back of a fridge, that's where this coolant is. And so the second step is you send the, the gas coolant away from your food. And the third step is you turn it back into a liquid, which like shoots the heat essentially out of the back of the fridge and away from your food. I don't know if that tracks. I know that's like a lot of uh No.
2: chemistry? No, but the, but the process is from the coolant expanding is the is the mechanism in which the heat is being removed. Cuz yeah. yeah, I I'm thinking of it as like air conditioning. I'm like cold air come out of vent, make cold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same with the refrigerator. Uh but yeah, I'm like there's no vent in there. Aha. But yeah, okay. I'm I'm putting my mind around this. Okay. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I thought of both fridges and AC the same way until researching this. I was like, yeah, the, the AC shoots cold out of it, and the refrigerator shoots cold into itself, uh, but it's it's just uh, taking heat out instead of putting cold in. That's yeah. the
1: deal. I, I live in an apartment in East Hollywood with no AC, so I've had to become very acquainted with how air conditioners oh. work, uh, especially, <laughs> uh, you know, because every summer gets hotter and hotter. So I finally had to break down and buy one, uh, like one of those little rollaway ones that kind of looks like R2-D2. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and apparently what you want is a double-vented one so the air can come in oh. one vent and go out another. That'll cool it down faster. But most, the most commercially available ones are just one vent and I'm already bored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and that and that kind of thing is why
0: so many AC units are either in a window with the back pointing out or, like, in a wall with the back pointing out. Because yep. then that shoots the the energy out of your house to make it cooler. So your fridge right. kind of works the same way.
2: That's why it's hot back there, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: yeah. It's not because yeah. the devil's telling secrets back there, like my grandma <laughs> used to say. <laughs> Huh. All right, Alex. I'll play your game. I, I, my
1: my grandmother said uh, if you eat on the toilet, you're feeding the devil. Uh, wow! <laughs> I like that everyone's grandmother has some weird stuff they told them. I love Telling it. Secrets. That's why it's hot. It? All right. can I have a sandwich now? I'm four and I'm hungry. You know, if it's raining and the sun is shining, the devil's hitting his wife. That's yeah,
2: another one. that is one I've heard.
1: Man, I've heard that one <laughs> too.
0: I, the <laughs> devil is in so many explanations. He's really he's everywhere.
1: Yeah, oh, or she. Oh, buddy, I refound because I'm at my folks' house at the moment. I refound my favorite book from when I was a kid, and it's called Ghosts and Goosebumps ghost stories and superstitions from alabama and the the second like half of it is just a list of superstitions that are hilarious (laughs) (laughs) they're like don't they're like don't pour salt on a bird it can't fly (laughs) you're like why why are y'all doing this why would you do this you know why okay <laughs> it's like it's like hey
0: what are your new year's resolutions i'm trying to break my habit of pouring salt on birds i do it so often yeah. it's kind of a reflex I, but i gotta i gotta just, get out of that oh.
1: they can't Got fly it. it's just so funny <laughs> you ever seen it oh my gosh uh.
0: Well, and the, this this refrigerator system here, so yeah, the well, that third step, it compresses the gas back into a liquid, releases energy. The energy goes out of the back of your fridge. The coolant cycles back into the cabinet to do the first step again where it expands. And then if you hear that humming noise from your refrigerator, that's usually an electric pump because the electric pump is then compressing and expanding and moving this coolant. So that's uh, usually the reason your refrigerator is making that noise that that's going on. That's what it's coming from.
2: I don't know oh, well, what my you, grandma hey, would
1: say about that? Uh, you better catch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy. You. We were all like, "Who's gonna get yeah. to it first? And it was.
2: It was me, and it was unsatisfying. <laughs> I'm sorry. We split off into two roads. <laughs> I did a call back to my grandma, and we did a dad joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also the uh, what what other like fridge design thing? And, and I, I swear it's interesting the the thing where those coolant coils are on the back of the fridge is relatively new and i sent you guys a picture of what's called a monitor top refrigerator Uh, that was what ge put out in the 1920s it was the first like hit home electric refrigerator Uh, and at that point all the tubes were on the top so we used to have fridges where there's the food and stuff and then there's this like weird cylinder coil on the top because that was how they used to do the uh, the tubes of the coolant and stuff
1: so I, I've actually seen one of those, uh, and oh no when, way! Yeah, my uh, so when I was in high school, a buddy of mine, his his dad, at some point in the '60s, was like, "I'm done with society," and he built a cabin in the woods <laughs> yeah. about 12 miles north of of my hometown. And uh, and then, of course, he, you know, rejoined society and had a family, but he just still had this cabin. So we would just go out there and and get drunk every weekend of high school. And it was awesome because it was (laughs) way out beyond any police jurisdiction. And we would have bottle rocket wars. And like it was just it was the best. Pretty good. The absolute best. And there was cows, so at a certain point, everybody would be real drunk, and my friend Connor, who's from Ireland, would go, I'm going to hunt a cow, and then we'd we'd follow Connor's, you know, drunk idiot, uh, you know, <laughs> this idiot out into the field where he would try to fight a cow, uh, you know, good times, but the point is, <laughs> in the cabin, they had one of those monitor top fridges. That's amazing. And, be- and because we were stupid, we didn't, you know, we didn't know that there were actual coils up there, because we were like, oh, this thing's so old, it's before they had electricity, and so... I remember my friend telling me that how it worked was you would open up the little uh, monitor thing at the top. They would put ice, an ice block into it, and it would somehow spin around the ice to like cool down the fridge. And I fully believed that until uh, you sent this email
0: is that true yeah that's that's not what happens uh, <laughs> i
1: was like oh yeah sure you go to the old ice house you you, you got yep. the forceps you carry it down the road like in old times and then you put it on mm-hmm. top and it sort of spins and it makes right. it uh rain snow into your fridge so turns <laughs> out no i found this out uh today when i read your email
0: i'm excited because that's like it's a perfect transition into takeaway number two the United States created the practice of home refrigeration by creating a weirdly sexual tradition of home ice boxes, and the sexual part is not why it's a perfect transition. But but what you're describing is how ice boxes used to work. Like it wasn't this monitor top thing, but before electric refrigeration, people, especially Americans, had an ice box, which instead of all this electrical arrangement and knowing chemistry and stuff, it was just a container and then a a container on the top of it with a block of ice in it. And just the ice makes it cold. That was the entire system. It's not technological or anything.
1: Well, and and the process of getting the ice was like crazy because they would actually have to float it down rivers and stuff like that. And there were ice wars, like it turned violent and stuff like that in a lot of cases, because it was a commodity. Uh, So yeah, yeah, it's all, all that stuff is really, really interesting.
2: You got a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: people did yeah there was a there was a point where the united states was like running on ice boxes and kind of promoting them worldwide and it's this annoying thing where you have to buy ice from a company you usually needed it delivered daily if you had an ice box, it also had a drip pan that the ice melted into. You usually had to dump that out every day. You also had to be fast about opening and closing the box because it doesn't like re-refrigerate. Like you're you're wasting cold truly. And then people called that a refrigerator before the electric kind was invented. And then also there was a whole ice harvesting operation that is like Hard to describe unless you've seen Disney's Frozen, where there's a whole song and dance number where they're harvesting ice. Then then you know what it looks like. But it's these guys with big metal calipers carving ice out of specific lakes and rivers that had the best ice Mm. in the U.S.
2: Where's that good ice at? <laughs> what was like the most yeah, what was the most coveted ice at the time? Canada,
1: St. Lawrence St. Lawrence River, I think. Was that, that was where there was a big uh, a big trade of it at least, was cuz they would float the giant blocks down like St. Lawrence River like all the way down the Erie Canal to New York City and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, that's right. So how do I okay, well so I'm um, ship me some St. Lawrence ice. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do an ice taste test, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, just to be like at that level. where... Were you truly, and I'm sure back then, if you were, the ice was serious business, you'd be like, drink something like, what was
1: that? What is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to
2: I, I, hatch a pea ice? <laughs> no, 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 sir. Where is my glacial chill?
0: Yeah, we'll, well, also, it was like truly a global trade of it. We'll link a, an amazing 99% Invisible Art, uh, podcast about it. One of the first people to do it was named Frederick Tudor, who started out harvesting ice at a pond in Cambridge, Massachusetts and he would use sawdust as insulation and the trade got so big they were sending it to the caribbean and to british india like that this was boat times they were they were boating ice from massachusetts to india because that was how the ice economy worked there was there was money in doing it yeah it's it's baffling and now now you just buy an electric refrigerator you don't, you don't do that at all
2: ah, nah nah i do it the old way oh yeah i wait 14 weeks for a tray of ice
1: <laughs>
2: like my grandfather did and his grandfather before him what the tw- i like mean running into town from duh. the la
0: river like the boat is here the boat is oh. here like it's, it's yeah
1: the ice boat we have 12 cubes mother Think about how pissed you are now if your roommate uses all the ice trays. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Back then, you're like, I, I, we're in Jamaica, and I have to wait 15 weeks for this stuff to come from <laughs> Oh, you're head? getting
2: killed. You're abs- you are going missing if you, if you mishandle my ice. Because <laughs> I, lo- I, I like really cold. drink. I'm an ice drinker. You know, uh, yeah. I I love it so much, and I could not imagine again because I, it's really it can really be the difference between something being really good or really bad is having ice for it. Oh yeah, and to to be in a plate uh, in a world where ice is sparse, I could not imagine the overreactions I would have because I get mad if someone eats a French fry off of my plate. <laughs> so imagine when ice is is like you got to wait three more days. Yeah, no. Right. No yeah. I wonder how much it ice also- crime there was, like crimes of ice passion.:
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, well, also there at, in the, at this time in the past, there was also something called ice famines, and an ice famine was when there was an unusually warm winter, the supply of ice decreased, and then that impacted people's ability to refrigerate their food. Like it, it was legitimately a famine more or less, because you couldn't store as much food, you couldn't keep Ooh. enough food cold to eat it in a sanitary way. And so people were very excited when electric refrigeration came along. It was like, okay, we can move on. Like, we don't need to do this anymore.
2: Is there any, I'm trying to think of anything technologically that could bring us that same kind of relief?
0: Oh, like a good change. I, yeah.
2: I mean, we've truly peaked in terms of <laughs> creature comforts. Yeah. Unless, like, things are bathing you now like <laughs> I feel like that's the only other thing we're like oh you don't have a bathe box
1: yeah I was about to say Dar- darling join me in the bath bag
2: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> is there? I can't think of it then like maybe s- squatty pu bidet has been like the you oh, know yeah that's about as far as we can go
1: oh uh, you know you know what it is and I I, bec- I for this reason I have yet to buy one of these hey, I mean i don't have any money also that's part of it but uh those the oculus rift things where you can just watch netflix strapped to your head i'm like i don't leave the house if i have that <laughs>
2: oh, you know
1: no. where they've got it you know they have it so you're looking in and it looks like you're inside a movie theater and you can literally just lay on your back and just stare into the into oblivion. Oh no! You don't even no. have to do the small task of craning your head to look at the TV like you would normally to watch TV in bed. You can just straight up watch, look up at the ceiling. So, uh, yeah, that, I just know that's bad news, babe. What are you doing?
2: Self care.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your Woman, face down.
1: Bring me my feeding tube.
2: <laughs> oh no, it's happened.
1: I want the taters and carrots.
2: Right. <laughs> Blend them with ketchup. <laughs> <laughs>
1: bushy peas. Yeah. I like bushy peas. <laughs>
2: with a boba straw this time. The other ones, the <laughs> diameter is too oh, yeah. too narrow. Too narrow.
0: It's just a very good tip. That's very smart. Uh,
1: <laughs> I want the big straw so the mango chunks don't get stuck. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh. As far as American things, this like icebox thing is also was so specifically American. We were kind of known for it at the time. That historically, and Jonathan Reese cites a British travel writer named Winifred James. In 1914, James said, quote, whoever heard of an American without an icebox? It is his country's emblem. It asserts his nationality as conclusively as the stars and stripes afloat his roof tree besides being much more useful in keeping his butter cool end quote like we were we were and are the famously refrigerate stuff country uh in the world true
1: it's It's always fun to read stuff like that, and like even even go back to like de Tocqueville or something where you're just like, how did everyone else know us better than we do know <laughs> us currently, you know. Just seemingly any foreign person could just show up here and have us nailed down exactly in their writing. Like, like here's the six problems I see with these people. And you're reading it, from, you know, it's like 1802, and you're reading it today, and you're like, oh, "Yep, they got it. They nailed it." Like, has anyone at
2: the White House seen this list? Yeah. <laughs> has anyone seen this list?
1: Has anyone tried any of these things? They're still, huh? All right. Whatever. In the nineteen teens, yeah. somebody was like, "Yeah, y'all are th- y'all are the fridge people." And yeah. It's like we're still the fridge people. Yeah, totally. Attack of yeah. the fridge
2: people. Literally, we're uh, here to take all your resources because we need power for our refrigerators. <laughs> <laughs> but that is like that's like one of those cultural things I've butted heads with with roommates because, I'm, like, it is very much refrigerate everything immediately, like in American kitchen culture. In Japan, it's not like that. You'll have things on the stove that are like stewed or whatever that you don't like. Be like, get you know, in a Tupperware now, or it's yeah. gonna kill us. And oh yeah, I've done that, and then like I'd be like, oh man, you're gonna get sick. You're gonna get sick. You're gonna get sick. I'm like, just so you know, I'm doing this off the strength of I believe centuries of not refrigerating anything or <laughs> <Yes>. certain things. <laughs> and it's been funny. Like I had I had one argument one that was so intense, and I said, then don't eat. Because I'll tell you something. I'm like, let's have a bet right now. I will eat this and I will live. And I'll have nothing wrong with me because you're trying to apply whatever your upbringing is to something I've done my entire life and I have not ever been sick. I'm obviously not going to like leave out a bunch of like half cooked shrimp cream sauce or something. <laughs> right, and then right. like all good. But like, yeah, other things they've been cooked so long. It's a much different process of bacteria building. And it's, I'm like, what, what's good here? But yeah, that is like a, that is a little budding of the refrigerator people culture that I've oh, had. Uh,
1: if you put yeah. peanut butter in the fridge, I will hit you. Uh, if you put hot sauce in the fridge, I will hit you. Uh, Some hot
2: sauces, they need it though.
1: Okay. If it's calls for it on the bottle, but you know, you open a guy's fridge and there's Tabasco in there. Stop it. No,
2: no, no. It's just
0: vinegar. I I believe in my (laughs) Illinois childhood, we did refrigerate the peanut butter and you don't need to. It's not necessary. It turns out. Yeah. (laughs) So it's too
1: hard to spread. Yeah. Yeah. It's too hard to spread. And also it's, uh, you know, I don't Look, I'm the I'm the chunkiest one here, but I'm just saying you get a spoonful. It's kind of hard to get the spoon out if you're going for a little midnight snacky.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. There's also that like one one last thing here about the icebox era, because I, I mentioned there was a like weirdly sexual component. Uh, and so we should get into it. Uh, the thing in the icebox era was there were these ice men. It was a job where you were like daily distributing ice to people. And basically all of American culture decided that this was like a Lothario sex guy. Uh,
2: and like, let's make jokes about it.
1: They were like the hunky firefighters of their day.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of outfits do they rock?
0: They they were sort of dressed like milkmen, but also, and there's a great Atlas Obscura article about it, we'll link. But they say that Icemen combine several working class Lothario tropes because you have the daily home visit like a milkman or a mailman
1: Mm -hmm. and then
0: you have the like burly young dude like a pool boy or a landscaper because they have to carry these big blocks of ice upstairs and stuff and then you also have like you can call these guys up and order it like a pizza delivery guy like it's all of those things stacking up into everyone being like oh the ice man's coming huh wink will wink haha it was it was a big joke at the turn of the century yeah right
1: well there there are some uh ice companies today that still use that image there's i, I can't remember the name of the company but there's one in la oh uh, where you go to you go to cbs or, or i forgot where i've seen this but it's literally a guy with one of those like irish kind of newsy caps and he's wearing <laughs> suspenders and he's got his sleeves pushed up like Pitt romney and he's holding a giant thing of ice on his back it's like wow it's, you know it's and and i actually have uh I actually have this one. Uh, this is from my hometown, uh, and you'll see these all over, outside gas stations and stuff. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know if you can see that, Mr. Ice, the oh. coolest man in town. Oh, It's a sexy ice cube, man. <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> we'll,
1: I'll text that to you, Alex. <laughs> He's <laughs> yeah, chiseled.
0: We'll, we'll link it. His head is an ice cube, and then the rest of him is ripped, just Beef incredibly
2: ripped ice beef (laughs) ripped ice my favorite gatorade flavor
1: (laughs) i was so pissed when they discontinued that in the fierce melon
2: yeah uh shame on them but yeah these ice guys this alice obscure article i mean the women are horny for the Iceman in these photos. I mean, like, as Yay. horny as you, you could look in the 20s, which is sort of like, I'm smiling so hard my teeth might break.
1: Right. Uh, but
2: these guys are, okay, I see. And the jokes are like, you know, he looks a lot off. Your son, awfully looks a lot like the Iceman, doesn't he?
0: Yes. Yeah, it was a whole, and we, we won't listen to it on the show because it's more fun to just know about it. But in 1899, year before the turn of the century, uh, apparently, the the top song in well, the hold country. Hold on, let's check the math on that. Oh yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> eighteen. Okay, all right. Sorry, go on. You
1: know they say one nine zero zero. Party over. It's out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Night. Party like it's eighteen ninety nine. Continue.
0: But and so in this case, this is a hit song recorded out of an Edison wax cylinder, which is just fun to me. But it was a song called, How Do You Like to Be the Iceman? And Atlas Obscura says, quote, Had there been a Billboard Hot 100 for Edison wax cylinders, this song would have topped it. And the lyrics are about just the jealousy of the ice man having a big house, having a business, but mainly getting getting alcohol and kisses from all of the women in town as he goes around delivering ice. (laughs) Uh, And one of the lyrics is, quote, From every girl a kiss is his prize. If he gets no kiss, they get no ice. End quote. Which is just like wow. sexual extortion for ice. Like it's just yes. Uh, yes. gross. Wow.
2: <laughs> he's he's he cucked every dude in that neighborhood. That was the trope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, ice man. God, that's what I'm saying. Ice crimes of passion. Again. You know yeah. what I mean? How many ice crimes of passion were there? Like these are so many dateline episodes in the making. <laughs>
1: Oh, and, and think yeah. about how many murders went unsolved because they were stabbed with a dagger made of ice. Yes, <laughs> the exactly.
2: Murder weapon,
1: the murder weapon turned into a puddle and no one was the wiser, you know?
2: Boom. You vanish in my ice truck. <laughs> Nobody knows. It ain't stinking. <laughs> and there's no there's no decomposing back there, I'll tell you that much. And yeah, I can get you it? far, far away before you start reeking.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: That's what I tell all my clients, all my (laughs) customers. Anyways, how much ice do you want, honey? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we got
0: got one more takeaway for the main episode here. Let's get into it. Takeaway number three. A refrigerator-shaped athlete reinvented sports betting by accident. And uh, this I also I I don't think I told you guys this will release the day after the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55. So we have not seen it, but a lot of people have. And uh, we're looking back to Super Bowl 20 here because the athlete is named William the Refrigerator Perry. His nickname is the Refrigerator.
1: Yeah. Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah. 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 Absolutely.
2: well, what substitute teacher didn't make me watch a cassette tape with that moment on it? A video VHS (laughs) tape. Watching the NFL's greatest moments, and you're like, "Um, this is a history AP history class. What is this?" Um, yeah. Oh, it's historical. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's historical. Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) Because it's just so massive, and you're like, "Yeah, I get it. We love we love stuff like that in America. Like, look, he's bigger than he knows what to do with himself."
1: Yeah. Super Bowl 20. That's the that was the year I was born. And that, that happened a few months yeah. before I was born, actually. So uh, but yeah, I always, you know, I grew up, uh grew up with the Super Bowl shuffle and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. And I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. And I, I remember like the Michael Jordan era of basketball was happening and the adults around me seemed like still... Equally excited or more excited about this one Bears team from years ago. They were they were like that was the thing. They had a song and dance and they won. Oh, it was great. Like that was the <laughs> the dominant thing
2: <laughs> in Chicago culture is the the 1985 Chicago Bears football team. And your firstborn son has to get a refrigerator Perry tattoo on his back. <laughs> Yours looks great, by the way, Alex. I gotta say, I'm glad I can tape shirtless. Uh, you guys have been very cool about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you kind of said. <laughs> don't bother coming on the zoom call if you don't want me to be shirtless. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. sure, whatever you want, man.
1: We, we respect yeah. your Midwestern culture. It,
2: yeah.
1: are yeah, yeah. shirt, you're shirtless and eating yeah. cheese and sausages. And that's, that's cool. The man. way of
2: your people, the Chicago suburbs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, and uh, there's a few sources here. The main one is SB Nation. I think a lot of people have heard of this athlete. I didn't know about the sports betting elements until working on this. But William the Refrigerator Perry was a defensive lineman. He was 6 foot to 335 pounds, which is uh, 1.88 meters and 152 kilograms for a metric friends. But 335 pounds uh, was nicknamed the Refrigerator, according to his teammate Sean Gale, quote, his nickname came from the university that he attended, Clemson. There was a photograph taken of William sitting next to a refrigerator. He was so big that he blocked it out of the picture, end quote. And so apparently he was nicknamed after being the like perfect size and shape to blot a refrigerator out of a picture, uh, if necessary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is such a like South Carolina thing of just like, dude, he was as big as yeah. the fridge. <laughs> We're gonna call a fridge. <laughs> you get it? Hey, Bill, get
2: next to that fridge, man. <laughs> oh, sh- Dude, Look at him; he's huge.
1: <laughs> go, Clemson.
0: <laughs> uh, the only comparable athlete I can think of is Shaq, Where like he's a very successful athlete, and part of the appeal was he was just bigger than others in a way that people found like exciting. He also, he was drafted by the Bears in the first round in 1985, and Coach Mike Ditka was apparently the one who, like, made the decision, but defensive coordinator Buddy Ryan labeled Perry Fatso and then publicly called Perry a waste of a draft pick uh, entirely because he thought, like, no, this guy's too big. Like, this would not be functional on a football field. This doesn't make sense. Ryan was wrong. Perry had a very good season as soon as they played him.
1: Yeah. I I, I love that there was an era of football where it was like, no, he's too large. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, to, like you read his stats, and I was like, today that's not. I mean, that's like it's still big, right. but it's not unheard of. Right,
2: right, right. You're like yeah. six two. Come on, buddy. You got to be at least <laughs> yeah. seven three nowadays.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, I was say, yeah. <laughs> you want to
2: freak me out? Come on, buddy. Come with that six two yeah. nonsense. <laughs>
0: Just real quick, the Chicago Bears went 15-1 and that season. They went to Super Bowl 20, and along the way during the season, Perry is a defensive lineman, but they started using him occasionally on offense. And, quote, during the season, Perry had generated Kardashian-esque amounts of hype as an oversized and very part-time running back. And the idea was they would use this, de- this enormous man as a running back if they needed just a yard or two. Cause he was so big. Like by the time they tackled him, he would have gone some distance. Uh, and so they did that a few times in the season. He scored two touchdowns on five
2: rushes. I mean, watching, watching him play fullback is really something else. Cause you're just like, yeah, go ahead. Just do that. <laughs> like that's where I, there's, there's a lot of satisfaction. Cause it's just the most like caveman looking thing. When you're like this big mass is going to just run through these other little ones very easily just just by sheer force it's a physics equation in, in motion right there like nah, you can't you're not going to stop that yeah. sorry <laughs> but yeah with Shaq though i will say just you know just as a laker fan i shaq was also a fantastic basketball player but he was just massive and that was his advantage but he was also a great basketball player but totally. to the point of just being so you know in love with just oversized things remember his like sneaker would just be a thing at a mall yeah. and you're like there's a Shack shoe here.
1: Yes, you know I mean like I that's- saw the. Sh- I stood in line <laughs> to see the Shack shoe. Right, it's like
2: that's where we are as a culture. We're like, it's a big shoe, <laughs>
1: <But> It's huge. We
2: <laughs> just worship oversized nonsense. So it's just like, yeah, that's
1: so. I haven't thought about that since the mid nineties. I swear to God, I stood in line yeah. at Shoe Depot to see the Shack shoe. Yeah, yeah. for what? Because it's a big shoe. <laughs> it's huge. It's like,
0: oh wow. <laughs> I was like eight years old. Nike town in downtown Chicago. It was like an exhibit. It was like let's behold the the mighty shoe. I was like a little like eight year old like
1: you know, kid just being like, Dang, I could fit my head in that shoe. Yeah.
2: It's like that scene in uh, Anaconda where they roll out that big snake skin on the boat and ice cube's like, There's snakes out here this big That's the same thing with that Shack shoe. You're like, "There's humans out here. Yeah. This big? Like, I've never seen a shoe like this." Well, hold on now.
1: Yeah. Although Let's when I saw, when this. I when I saw the Shack shoe, it did vomit up uh, John Voight, and he winked at me. Uh, the captain. Anaconda. Go watch it on Netflix.
0: <laughs> the uh, the sports betting part of fridge because I, I didn't know this part. There's a thing that now exists, and I think people know about called a prop bet. And the the prop bet is when you don't just bet on who wins or loses the game; you're betting on like specific things happening in it. The best ones, and they partly developed because it's like kind of risky to run gambling around just the whole result. Like it leads to things like the 1919 Black Sox, where the White Sox threw the World Series for money, or uh, Pete <laughs> it, Rose's gambling it, on games he managed. You you get problems when the the outcome is tied to betting. It, it can be an issue.
1: It it. It leads to Adam Sandler being shot in the head in the jewelry store. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> we we've all seen that fable, of course. And yeah. uh, and so both to avoid that and then also to make more money, in the 1970s, SB Nation has this amazing history of like a few guys at a few Las Vegas sports books starting to offer prop bets. Like some involved sports, and then some were just weird. Like they did a prop bet on where the decommissioned Skylab space station would crash when it crashed back to Earth. Uh, and it paid 30 to 1 for Australia. If you, if you pick the winning thing, it, it crashed in Australia. But this was like considered weird and considered odd. And then this peak happened in the 80s where the casinos started having Super Bowl parties and this fun, nationally popular Bears team goes to the Super Bowl and they have this weird play they do once in a while where a big guy is a running back. And so the first massive prop bet was on whether Perry would score a touchdown offensively in the Super Bowl. The odds rocketed to 75 to 1, and then it started getting national coverage, and then it went back down to 2 to 1. It was a very volatile market, but Perry scores in the Super Bowl. The casinos pay out big on that, and then they have an entire business for the rest of time of prop bets on the Super Bowl and everything else. Wow. Yeah. He started
1: it. William GameStop Perry. Boy. Right. <laughs>
2: destroyed all these hedge funds. Unbelievable. He destroyed he the it?
1: he destroyed the defensive line and then he destroyed up <laughs> the hedge fund.
2: The whole thing, yeah. Cuz prop bets now, it really just opened the door to like the dumbest things to bet on. You yes. know like even the yeah. even the political debates, they'll take prop bets. You know what I mean? So Yeah. He really, I mean, it really goes to show you, it did expand people's thinking, like, wait a second. Hey, man, what kind of action would you give me if uh, I uh, divorce my wife? Right, yeah. It's just- wait, what? Uh, well, I don't know. Let's see. I've seen you guys, so it uh, wouldn't pay out that big. All right, but you take action? Sure,
1: sure. Okay. yeah it's, it just turned people into just degenerates <laughs> yeah like it's anything now how much you bet that lady will fall off the stool by the end of the night uh yeah, please, yeah. sir I, I, I,
2: ma'am you're that lady <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I, can't. I told you
1: to keep them coming oh boy
0: and the and yeah the the prep betting like for the super bowl alone apparently by the 90s and so not long after this Super Bowl 20 uh, the casinos were offering between 30 and 50 prop bets just on the Super Bowl and prop bets can now be as much as 40 to 50% of all the betting on the Super Bowl because you can do any part of the game like you can do how long the star spangled banner singing goes and like what yep. color the Gatorade bath will be and which commercials will happen when like like they've they've broken down every potential second of this game into gambling it's just. Oh, option. yeah.
1: I, I remember a couple of years ago uh, when Justin Timberlake uh, was was the halftime show. And the big bet was, will Janet Jackson show up and you know get <sighs> redeemed uh, after you know 2004 or whatever? And of course she did not Just Justin's a cad. OK. <laughs> yeah, he did. It. I hate him. Yeah.
2: <sighs> get out of here. I, I won on. like 20 bucks because I knew Lady Gaga's uh, national anthem was going to go over. I think that was the Super Bowl oh. before that one uh, oh, where nice. I took big action on that. I was like, what's the over-under on that one? I'm like, yeah, she'll do over two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was wild because it really came down to the wire. Like, It was really all about the home stretch with her because oh. that, that's really where you're going to get your mileage out of that bet. We were getting dangerously close to her not covering it until, she's, <sighs> until we got to – banner yeah wave oh. and then it was like 45 minutes from there <laughs> and i was just like yes lady gaga keep going indulge yourself <laughs> indulge yourself and i just got over and it was the most satisfying thing those actually tend to be the most satisfying <laughs> yeah. bets because they really That's require bad. no expertise yeah or some just some level of awareness you know
1: yeah you're like please yeah. do the mariah carey finger thing at the end the whoa yeah, yeah exactly <laughs>
2: I had 20 on carry finger yes like...
1: <laughs>
2: honey we can get that new refrigerator now
1: yeah. <laughs> full circle there you go <laughs>
0: That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Miles Gray and Rivers Langley for chilling with me. Waka, 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 waka. Anyway, I said that's the main episode for this week because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com, patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story, related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is Albert Einstein's refrigerator, because that is a thing. So visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than two dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring refrigerators with us. Here is one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, your refrigerator is actually a heat remover. Takeaway number two, America has dominated world refrigeration ever since the strange and sexy era of the icebox. And takeaway number three, a refrigerator-shaped athlete reinvented sports gambling. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. Miles Gray is an amazing podcaster. Please hear him every weekday on the Daily Zeitgeist. He co-hosts that with the great Jack O'Brien, who you may know from the Potatoes episode of this podcast, but but many other things, too. Miles also co-hosts the podcast 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. That is is the TV show 90 Day Fiance combined with the number 420. And if you don't know that number's significance, uh, you have to ask your parents. And then please hear Rivers Langley co-hosting the podcast Goods from the Woods. Also, it's Variant the Corona Diaries. Rivers is low key one of my favorite southern podcasters cuz I'm I'm transplanted to North Carolina, but Rivers is from Alabama. He knows North Carolina references like cackalacky. He's obviously not the only southern podcaster. We had Billy Wayne Davis on this show very recently. He's from Tennessee. But please add rivers to your rotation if you seek a little southern flavor in your podcasts. And then, of course, links to all of those podcasts by Miles Gray and Rivers Langley are in the episode links at sifpod.fun. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. A great article in The Atlantic. It's called The Huge Chill. Why are American refrigerators so big? That is by historian Jonathan Rees. An amazing article in Atlas Obscura, it's called When Everyone Wanted to Be the Iceman, that is by Kelly Robinson, that will link you to the 1899 hit song on Wax Cylinder about sexy ice men. You can hear that. And a couple articles about William the Refrigerator Perry, one of my favorites is from SB Nation, it's called When the Final Score Doesn't Matter, How Prop Bets Changed the Way We Gamble on the Super Bowl, that's by David McIntyre. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken, Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I am thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.